The choices you make and specifically the way you choose to see God matters. How you choose to interpret the circumstances of your life matters because what you choose to believe about Him is who you'll show others that He is. Will you choose to see Him through the eyes of fear and doubt or through the understanding of a God who not only loves us, but is love? Join me today as we learn to see Him rightly, as we learn to choose love. Hi everybody, welcome back to Choose Love. I am looking forward to encouraging you today. That's always the goal that I have in jumping on here and sharing uh, kind of from the overflow of what the Lord's been speaking to my heart lately. And in recent days, I was just thinking back about um, kind of the big picture of my life. And I realized that in some areas of my heart and of my um, relationship with God, that I felt like I had lost momentum. And so that word momentum just really began to intrigue me. And I started kind of studying into that and doing a little research and a little self-reflection and inventory with the Holy Spirit. Have I lost my momentum? And if so, how did it happen? And how do I get my momentum back? So maybe you can relate to that. Um, I'm a kind of a word picture person. And so if I were to describe that, it's a scene from maybe um, a, a football game where you have, you know, the quarterback is just blazing down the field and seemingly out of nowhere, he gets sacked and just wiped out. So he's he's moving forward, but something comes unexpected from the side and just swipes him, takes him out. Maybe another word picture would be, you know, you're cruising along in your car and you hit a patch on the road that's just super bumpy and potholes and you have to slow down. It's um, friction on the road that, that makes um, something that's moving forward slow down. Obviously, if you have just a total slick surface and you push something across it, when, it, when there's no friction, there's momentum, there's forward motion. And um, when something is moving, we know it's a law of physics, when something's moving, it's harder to stop it um, the, the faster it's moving and the heavier that the weight is of it that's moving forward. So kind of thinking about that in the natural helps us perhaps kind of apply it in a personal level. Um, you know, my life in general, I don't think I've like just lost momentum and now I'm just like stagnant and doing nothing. I, I don't think that at all. But sometimes when I um, am in, you know, intimate times with the Lord and worship or whatever, I remember back to, um, you know, my younger self and the kind of passion that was there for the Lord just little things in the way that I would worship. Um, and, you know, an overall, I don't know, sometimes I wonder if it's just an age thing. It's a season that comes with age where you just um, lose some of the, the excitement and the anticipation and the, I don't know if there's a better word than passion, just the passion 
um, with the Lord. And it's not, definitely not that I love him any less. Um, not at all. I mean, I think our, my love for him is just only grown rich, richer and deeper, more full and more real. And based on ways that I've been tested and, and, and my trust has been tested. And so the love is just as strong, but maybe the expression of it or the feelings that go along with it. So that's what I want to speak in today, speak into today in your life and encourage you in your momentum. So first, we're just going to look at what this word actually means. Momentum is the quantity of motion of a moving body measured as a product of its mass and its velocity. So how heavy it is and how fast it is. And if you think about that in terms of, you know, your zeal for life and and for us as believers, followers of Jesus, that includes our zeal for God because he's the center of our lives. Um, and I look back, you know, maybe you could do the same depending on, you know, how old you are, how many years you've walked with the Lord. Um, I look back and I see how the, the speed that I felt I was moving in in my life, um, in some ways it has sped up, in other ways it's kind of slowed down, um, but that ability to connect with what's happening around me, to feel fully present and engaged with it, I think of that as kind of like the speed of life. Um, when things are coming at you really fast that you have very little control over, like, you know, back to our analogy of the football player, he has control over what he's doing, but he doesn't have control necessarily over um, what another player does to him. And that's why they have people that are supposed to block the other people from hitting him, right? I don't know football, but I know that much. Um, and so that, that speed at which life is coming at you um, and what comes at you, I think we can all make a list and some people can make a long list, but we can make a list of things that had that sudden kind of impact that we felt just sideswiped, something that we weren't expecting that just threatened to really take us out, to damage um, our relationship with God, to damage our, our zeal and our perspective on life and on just having hopeful anticipation about all kinds of things in life in general. So that's that velocity piece. And then the mass, the the weightiness of things. Um, I think of that in our spiritual life as um, the word glory. So if you look up the original um, Greek word and Hebrew word for glory, both of them are connected to um, a description of something that's weighty, which I think is interesting in the light of this. It's the weight or the mass of something. Um, you know, Moses, this is kind of where I personally gravitate towards my understanding of the word glory, because glory is one of those super spiritual words that just feels kind of far out there. And so my way of understanding glory is looking back at the story of Moses who was very close to God, and he had um, literally like 
encountered God in such a profound way that he actually wanted more. He wanted to see and understand more of who God is and what he's really like. And so he asked to see God's glory. And God responded by saying, basically, these are my words, we're going to have to rig this because if anybody truly sees the core, the essence of who I am, I am so holy and, and you are in a fallen state, in a fallen world, my holiness literally will, will consume you. It will kill your natural body. And so I want you to know me. I want you to see me the way you're longing to see me, but I'm going to have to protect you. So he literally put him in a crack, in a rock, and said, um, I'm only going to let you see the backside of me, not my face, but the backside of who I am. You're asking to see my glory. And then he responds and says, in scripture, it says, and the Lord caused all of his goodness to pass before him. So, in response to, can I see your glory? Um, can I see the weightiness, the impact, who and what you are, the your reputation, the mark that you leave on our hearts as an entity, as, as our God, as our, our creator, the mark that you leave, the impact that you have, can I see it? And he says yes by saying, by showing him all of his goodness. So basically, it, it, he defines his glory in that moment by it's all that makes him good. It's everything that's wrapped up in the, the simplicity of his goodness. And so um, there's more to that story. But in terms of the definition of momentum being this combination of our something's mass, its weight, and its velocity, the speed at which it moves forward. In our personal lives, our mass is our glory. And you know, we're each made in the image of God. So every single one of us was born with a glory of our own. And of course, the, the, the goal of life is that we would be able to give and surrender our glory that we were created with to the one that it's sourced from, the one that gave it to us to begin with. And so um, he's worthy of receiving all of our glory, right? But we have to have a glory that we're aware of to even give him. And so our glory is that weightiness. It's everything that makes us good. It's the best parts of who you are in your truest self, apart from sin, apart from the effects of a fallen world on you, on your identity, on your heart. And that, that glory, that weightiness of who you are is a part of your spiritual momentum. So I hope I'm not getting too like out there or, or um, I don't know, this is hard for me to explain, but it's something that's stirring in my heart. So we're, we're trying here. So your glory, that weightiness, the impact that you can potentially have on everything and everyone around you, the best parts of who you are, your truest self, unaffected by the pain and trauma of life, the sin in the world, that connected to the speed at which you're moving through life, what's coming at you and how you're, how you're running towards it, 
um, connects to your spiritual momentum, that forward part of life, the thing in you that knows you were made to take ground and move forward and, and get somewhere. It's that, it's that part of you that was created to have purpose and meaning and, um, you know, not goals in life, but more than goals in life. You know, it's like um, something that you're, you know you were created to accomplish. So when that takes a hit, all that I just tried to describe there, when that takes a hit, you feel like you just lost momentum. And sometimes it happens suddenly. Sometimes it happens so, so not suddenly, but subtly that you don't even realize it till you get to a place where you feel like you're just all of a sudden like, what, where am I? Like, am I, is anything changing? Am, is anything forward motion? And so, um, when you truly have lost momentum or you feel like, you know, loss of momentum can be just a slowing down where it's not progressing the way it feels like it was meant to, to actually like no progression at all. And I think there are times when we're stuck and we don't know it. And there are times when we feel stuck, but we actually aren't stuck. And either way, it's just, it's not a pleasant feeling. It's not um, something in us knows we were created for more than that. So if this is at all something that you can relate to, that you can identify with, you feel like you took some hits, it, it either knocked you off course or slowed you down, or you don't even see the course anymore. You're like, is there even a, a goal in sight? Will I ever feel like I'm doing more than just surviving? Will I ever feel like I'm actually fulfilling the purpose I was meant to fulfill in my short lifetime? It's a short lifetime for all of us when you look at it in the context of all of eternity. So that's where I feel like the Lord is calling us to look at our momentum and our moving forward in the context of eternity. So I wanna read some scripture to you and then um, leave you with five very practical um, takeaways from what, what we're talking about here today. Um, okay, here's a scripture that we're going to get into. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and I'm going to start um, in verse 7 and go to the end of the chapter, verse 18. Um, and as usual, I'm going to read it to you in the Passion Translation. And then I'm going to point out to you um, a word that's going to connect us to the word momentum. But first, here we go. Um, this part is called treasure in clay jars. You've heard of that. Um, we have this treasure in earthen vessels, right? We are like common clay jars that carry this glorious treasure within so that this immeasurable power will be seen as God's, not ours. Though we experience every kind of pressure, we're not crushed. At times, we don't know what to do, but quitting is not an option. We are persecuted by others, but God 
has not forsaken us. We may be knocked down, but not out. We continually share in the death of Jesus in our own bodies so that the resurrection life of Jesus will be revealed through our humanity. We consider living to mean that we are constantly being handed over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus will be revealed through our humanity. So then, death is at work in us, but it releases life in you. We have the same spirit of faith that is described in the scriptures when it says, first I believed, then I speak or spoke in faith. First I believed, then I spoke in faith. So we also first believe, then speak in faith. We do this because we're convinced, we are convinced that he who raised Jesus will raise us up with him. And together we will all be brought into his presence. Yes, all things work for your enrichment so that more of God's marvelous grace will spread to more and more people, resulting in an even greater increase of praise to God, bringing him even more glory. So no wonder we don't give up. For even though our outer person gradually wears out, our inner being is renewed every single day. We view our slight, short-lived troubles in the light of eternity. We see our difficulties as the substance that produces for us an eternal, weighty glory, far beyond all comparison, because we don't focus our attention on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but the unseen realm is eternal. Wow, there's so much truth packed into these few verses here. Um, other than the overall encouragement, I want to highlight, first of all, um, the verses that um, you're probably familiar with these in more of the New King James Version, but we're we're perplexed, but we're, 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 we're pressed in on every side, but we're not crushed. That whole verse, okay, well, this is how the Passion Translation again says it. Though we experience every kind of pressure, we're not crushed. All right, so we've already been instructed through this whole scripture to look at everything in the light of not only eternity, but look at everything in the light of um, the unseen realm, the realm that matters the most. And you know, we, we often refer to it as the upside down kingdom, right? Where when you embrace death, you're actually experiencing life. So when we embrace what Christ did for us on the cross and the death that he bore in his own body, it resulted in life for all of us, right? And so there's, there's an embracing of the fact that in this life, our bodies literally are losing momentum. Um, probably weren't meant to at the pace. I know they weren't meant to at the pace that they do. So I'm not saying in any of this, except, you know, where your body is physically. We need to continue to contend for health in our bodies to live long enough to um, experience and accomplish all that God created us to. 
I digress. The whole point with that is we're called to see what we're experiencing through our perspective of what matters most, which is the unseen, not the seen. So it may look like, you know, if this hadn't happened in my life, if I hadn't experienced this trauma or this pain, if I hadn't gone through this hard thing, if, if this weren't going on in my physical body or if this relationship, um, if I had gotten married or if I had not married the wrong person or if I had um, been able to have kids or if my kids had gone a different direction than they went or, you know, there's always something that um, we hope to have escaped in our life but rarely does anyone escape getting hit to the point where you feel crushed, where you feel knocked out. But he's inviting us here to see it differently. So though we experience every kind of pressure, we're not crushed. At times we don't know what to do, but quitting is not an option. We're persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. We may be knocked down, but not out. So again, that momentum. When we see those hits as something different and we stop and take inventory, like I'm going to encourage you to do here in a moment, we're able to... Um, see momentum as something different, okay? So what I want to challenge you to do is see momentum in the light of the word that is in it. So what word is in momentum? Moment. Moment. We have to reorient ourselves around the moment that we're actually in. Because usually why, why we feel like we've lost momentum is something didn't go the way we thought it should the way we hoped it would, the way we had expected. So disappointment comes in, confusion comes in, um, all of that. And so we have to reassess the moment. Um, in verse 17, 2 Corinthians 4, 17, I just read that in the Passion Translation like this. We view our slight, short-lived troubles in the light of eternity. We see our difficulties as the substance that produces for us an eternal, weighty glory, far beyond all comparison. Because we don't focus our attention on what is seen, but on what is unseen. The New King James Version says it like this, and this will sound maybe a little more familiar to you. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, there's that word moment that connects us to that momentum. The moment didn't go like we thought it should and now we're finding us in a different moment. It's disappointing or painful or feels sidetracked to where we feel like we should be. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. That word weight is a heaviness. It's the impact. Your, your, your glory is always connected to, again, your mass or your weightiness, which takes us back to that word momentum. Our momentum is 
The motion of a moving body measured as a product of its mass, its weightiness, and its velocity, its speed. So how heavy it is and how fast forward moving it is towards a certain line. So it's connected to our weightiness of our own glory. The things we're going through in the moment that we're in, moment being this, this time in, in, in life that's been carved out for your lifetime, this moment is working for you a far more exceeding and eternal, not temporary, but eternal impact, heaviness, weight of glory. That impact of, remember how we define glory? It's what makes us who we truly are. It's our goodest self, if I can say it that way. God's glory is his goodness. We're made in his image. Our glory is our truest self apart from the effects of sin on us, on our lives, on the world. And we have an impact, a heaviness to the core of who we are, who we really are. And that is not only being preserved in this moment of time that you were born into, where you can feel like you're losing momentum at times, but that's working in us something that's way greater than anything that could be accomplished in this lifetime. So the things that we feel like have been derailed in our lives actually are the very things that are assuring us that we are being propelled towards what matters most. Our weight of glory, that part of us that is the original beautiful way that he he envisioned us, it's almost like we're being peeled back to the original intention that God created us with in himself. And that truest part of us is what is being revealed, peeled back, discovered, and propelled into eternity. Like the part of us that that is the best part of us and that's the most real part of us is the thing, the part of us that's going to live beyond this moment. We haven't lost momentum. It doesn't matter what has come and felt like crushing, felt like it took you out, felt like, um, you know, it derailed you. It is actually working in you something that is the most beautiful part of, of being created. It's not been stolen from you. It is being revealed in you. So back to this other verse that says, first I believed, then I spoke in faith, all right? We have to believe the truth of what I just said. We have to believe that there is a God who is working in us a far greater, exceeding an eternal weight of glory in us and through us. We have to believe and then we can speak it in faith. So I think there's something in us that needs to understand that 
we're only truly losing momentum if we agree with that. And so I'm just letting you know that I'm putting a stake in the ground, even right now with you as I'm speaking this, I am choosing to believe that I didn't lose momentum in my life, that those things that came in and felt like they knocked the wind out of me and they took my legs out from underneath me. And I, and where's the, where's that passionate, zealous, younger version of me? She's still here. In fact, she's being revealed more and more and more. And it might look different, but that's one important thing I wanted to point out before I leave you with um, these five um, kind of instructions to help you in this place that we're talking about. Um, so where is it, this note that I made for myself here? So momentum looks different in each season of life, right? Um, I did write a book that's going to come out again eventually, but for those of you that have read that book, in that context, I talk about the seasons, not of life, but the seasons of our relationship with God and how we cycle through those seasons in our relationship with God. I'm not talking about that right now. I'm talking about seasons of life, like the younger me versus the older me kind of seasons of life. And momentum looks different in each season of life, okay? And, and I would say probably also in our seasons of our relationships with God. But either way, I, I, sometimes momentum and what we typically expect momentum to, to look like is forward in a straight line from A to B, the quickest, smoothest way to get there. That would be ideal. That's the ideal kind of momentum that we can most easily get excited about. That's when we're able to easily say, I see momentum in my life. It's harder to recognize that there is momentum in your life and in your relationship with God um, when momentum is taking you deeper rather than forward. And there's some seasons, um, and that's what the Lord's been speaking to my heart, is that the momentum that you experienced in your younger years looked like this. Right now, it looks like this. It's your roots going deeper. It's you sinking deeper into places of trust in my heart. It's you um, embracing the wisdom that I'm offering you that sets a different pace. Momentum just looks different in this season right now. It's taking me deeper. Momentum can also sometimes take you on side what feel like detours. And typically, if you're able to get back to some semblance of a forward motion, you look back at what felt like detours and you realize it was worth it. Like, like going around this instead of just taking the easiest route worked in me something that I wouldn't have gotten to um, experience and grow from if I hadn't allowed momentum or just let momentum take me on the side detour. So remember that momentum looks different in different seasons.
just because it doesn't feel the way it used to doesn't truly mean that you've lost momentum, okay? All right, here are your five takeaways. I stole these actually from someone, I have no idea who she is, but on the internet, I just literally Googled losing momentum. And, and one of the things that popped up was this article that a woman named Karen Merrick wrote. And she's giving, um, I think there were more than this, but I just wrote down five, five ways to not lose momentum in for her, what she was writing this out was um, as it related to um, finding a job, I think it was, finding a job or or your work, something having to do with work. Um, but I was surprised at how the Lord spoke to me in my heart through these very practical ways that she found to not lose momentum. So I want to apply what she says, her words, to um, a spiritual perspective. Number one, look for the simplicity in the complexity. Look for the simplicity in the complexity. Life gets complicated. And um, the more pain and trauma and disappointments and things that seem to knock the wind out of you, the more complex things feel. And sometimes we just, you know, self-comfort, numb out, or just kind of stuff it all and we just don't even want to go there. We just don't even want to look at it. And it feels like either this bottomless pit that we're going to fall into and never come out of, or it feels like this huge mound of just tangled mess of, of our hearts and, you know, opinions and perspectives. And we don't even know where to start with this giant mound of pain or complexity, right? And her wisdom here is to look for the simplicity in the complexity. And I think that's so profound because to me, the way that we do that spiritually is by being present in the moment with the Father. He's never leaving us, never forsaking us. And so we're not alone so whatever it is you're having to sit in right now that feels complicated, just acknowledge him in it. Just, Lord, just be here with me in this. I don't really know what to do with this or what this is. I can't even get my heart completely around it. But you're here. You are here. In this moment, I'm going to be fully present with you because you are fully present with me. And by faith, whether I feel it or not, I'm going to allow myself to just be and to just be with him. That's finding the simplicity in the complexity. And in that place of just being and just being with him, literally, you don't have to figure anything out. Sometimes it's just about just letting him love you. And, and his love sometimes feels like being held. His love sometimes feels like a peace when there's no reason in the natural you should feel a peace. It's beyond your understanding. Sometimes his um, presence just, it, it's, you can't even feel anything, but you just know by faith he's doing something. He's, there's no way to, to be in the presence of God, especially when we're acknowledging that we are. 
there's no way to not be changed by it, by him. It's impossible. And so just the very act of choosing to just be with him and be fully present with him for 30 seconds, whatever your heart can handle, whatever your schedule can handle, just that one place of simplicity in him, it's, it's accomplishing something that you don't even have to know what it's accomplishing. Just know that it is. Um, secondly, she says, work the problem by asking questions first. So if there's a problem, there's something that needs to be overcome, whatever it is, do it in a relational way. A relational way, a relational way means I am not alone and I'm going to recognize that there's another person in this with me. Jesus, Holy Spirit, the Father, they are there, constantly available. They're one question away. Just one question away. Just what question could you ask of God in that moment? And he may choose to answer it in his own way and not right then and there. Or he may not answer it until the next day or another week. But all of a sudden, it'll come back to mind that you asked him for that answer, and he gave it to you. He gets to answer in his own way, in his own timing, but trust that he will answer if you ask. What kind of father would he be? What kind of God would he be if he weren't available for us to answer those questions that we have? So, when there's something to overcome, there's a problem, ask questions. And, and try to keep the questions more about the relationship than about what he can do for you. Because in the relationship, he will do things for you. I'm not saying don't ever ask him for things, but, but he ha it's... It's undermining the relationship to just constantly ask somebody for something rather than wanting to simply interact with them and have a conversation with them. Expect him to want to have a conversation with you. Um, we've talked about this before, but sometimes doing that in journaling, it'll actually come to you differently. And then at minimum, you'll remember the question that you asked him so that when he does answer, you can go back and see, wow, he answered a question that I had of him. Number three, she says, take the next best step. The next best step. Sometimes we can't see how to get from here to there. So we just need to do the next right thing, right? So what's the next best step that we can take? I think one hint is in what Mary and Martha experienced. Um, Jesus was there in Mary and Martha's home, and all Martha could see is what she needed to do for Jesus. I mean, I was thinking about that the other day and just remembering, because I've always really been able to relate to Martha, like there's just stuff that has to be done. And if, if you're wired a certain way, then you usually can get a lot done. And I'm wired that way. There's a lot that I can do. And so my default is usually to do a lot because I can and somebody's got to do it, right? Um, but as I was thinking from a kind of fresh perspective about that the other day, I was thinking about, um, you know, Mary and Martha knew an aspect of Jesus that I forget about. 
which is how supernatural he was. He literally could have snapped his finger and had a whole feast and Martha wouldn't have had to cook or clean up, right? What would have happened if she hadn't made the meal and instead she chose the better option that Mary chose, which was just to be with him. So are there places in our lives right now and in our hearts and our relationship with Jesus where we could take the next best step, hint, hint, choosing him over what we could do in our own strength? Are we willing in places where we are just desperate for change, desperate for breakthrough, are we willing to set aside what we could do in our own strength if we tried really hard, worked really hard, used our own abilities to potentially even seem irresponsible and lean in to Jesus and choose him over what we could do in our own strength. Step number four that she mentions um, is to recalibrate if necessary. Recalibrate if necessary. All right, recalibrate. If you think about, you know, losing momentum, I was headed this direction. Even if you didn't have a goal in life to, to arrive at a certain place, we're kind of wired to at least subconsciously think life should go this way, shouldn't it? Shouldn't have, like, that shouldn't have happened. That shouldn't have come along and derailed me from, from, anyway, I'm not going to go into it to all of it again, but you know what I'm saying. It causes you to have to reassess. And that's not a bad thing. It causes you to have to reset and readjust. That's what recalibrate means. So when you calibrate, um, for example, it's maybe a too fancy of a word for a, a, a watch, but if I'm gonna recalibrate my watch, I'm gonna reset my watch to the correct time. Maybe it got off to, you know, by a few minutes or something like that. So I have to recalibrate. I have to make the standard reflect truth again. So we have the standard that we expect out of life. You know, my standard is that I would get married, I would easily have children, I would raise those children and they would be a certain way and accomplish certain things easily without them having to go through pain and trauma. And, you know, we would just bring the kingdom of heaven to earth all together without a whole lot of warfare. Well, that's not at all how it's gone for me. I did have kids easily, I will say that. And I did get married young. But for you, it may be something else. Maybe you didn't get married. Maybe you weren't able to have kids. What, Whatever those obstacles were on your path of momentum, you got to stop. And it sounds obvious, but I think some of us where we do get stuck in life is we don't stop to reassess, readjust our expectations. And we just live... Um, resentful without even realizing we're resentful. We live in misery because something so severely disappointed us that we just 
cannot let that that expectation that we had go. And it requires us to fully grieve what we thought. To me, that is recalibrating. It's, it's grieving and letting go of what was so that we can actually move forward with what is. And we can see it in the light of eternity as but a moment, right? It's that back to that verse, for our light affliction doesn't feel very light, which is but for a moment, doesn't feel like a moment, but he's telling us here, when we are in eternity, we will look back and we will see it truly was a light affliction. The worst of the worst here on earth was a light affliction in the light of eternity. And it was just a blip. It was just a wink. It was just a moment in the light of eternity. Hard to see now, but we will one day see it that way. All right. Um, and the last point that she, um, Karen Merrick said in her list of um, how not to lose momentum is to resist perfectionism. That really connects to what I just said. Resist perfectionism. Most of us don't dream of a perfect life, but just subconsciously we expect it. And it's not a bad thing that we expected a perfect life. I believe that's what was wired into us because that's what God originally intended for us. He did not intend for us to go through pain and trauma and, you know, getting, taking the hits. Um, and so letting go of perfectionism, not just of our, our perspective of life and what, what we thought life could be, um, but perfectionism in our judging of ourselves, of our response to what actually, what life really actually has been like and, and letting go of that. We're so hard on ourselves. I think oftentimes we're harder on ourselves than God is. Um, you know, we, we're disappointed not just with life, but we're disappointed with ourselves and how we've responded to the disappointment of life, right? That's it's like compounded pain. Um, and so we've got to resist perfectionism and embrace the grace that, that Jesus made available to us. He was perfect in all of his responses so that we didn't have to be. We can't be. It's impossible. Um, it's not that we set aside our journey into holiness and our sanctification process of growing and maturing, but perfectionist, perfectionism and our judgment of ourselves is the thing that tells us not you failed at something, but you are a failure. And we have a hard time being honest with ourselves and and saying, yeah, I messed up because it's so connected to our identity of I am a mess. And so um, that's my prayer for you today, that you will be able to resist that perfectionism, that judgmentalism um, that the enemy projects his judgment on you through your own thoughts about yourself um, and your response to pain and trauma and difficult things in your life. I love um, what I heard one time by um, a man named Paul Hegstrom, who was 
um, he's passed away, but he had a ministry, uh, forgetting what it's called right now. But anyway, I went through a course of his and, um, was taught by him. He used to come to our church and, and speak and, um, he would say something that was so simple, but really profound. And it, it stuck with me all these years. He says, you are normal for what you've been through. And I just want to remind you of that too. You're normal for what you've been through. It's not that we want to settle for normal, but see yourself through the lens of the enemy tried to take you out and you're not out. He tried to, um, to press pressure you until you were crushed, but you're not crushed. And he tried to make you believe the lie that you have been forsaken and you haven't been. So I just bless you today in your momentum. You are moving towards that weightiness of glory that you were created to um, reflect in, in the image of God that you were made in. And so... Um, just want to pray for you. Lord, I pray for, um, for everyone that is watching, listening, and we just sit with you and you sit with us right where we are. And we acknowledge your presence in this moment, this moment of time that we've each been born into. And you've been present through every hit we've taken. And you have personally escorted us and you will continue to all the way into the place we were originally intended for, which is called eternity. I thank you, Father, that you have loved us with a perfect love and we receive it right now. We let the perfection of your heart towards us, rest on us. And we receive that love into every cell of our bodies. We receive that love into every place of pain and trauma, every place of disappointment, every place that we have felt like we lost momentum. Thank you for being with us in this moment called life. We're not lost. We're not lost. You are with us and you are following us with tender mercy. Hmm. With the very goodness that is who you are, your glory rests on us. Thank you. Thank you for who you are to each one of us. Thank you for your faithfulness to our hearts and to um, comforting us in those places that we need comfort right now. We receive it. Thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks for um, hanging with me on Choose Love, and I'll see you next week.